Welcome to ShePack Unleashed. I'm one of your hosts, Tanya. I'm Nicole. Welcome to your weekly dose of candid discussion in the pursuit of finding your tribe in this journey of womanhood, motherhood, and sisterhood. I'm Ashley. Join us as we leave no stone unturned. In each episode, we have heart-to-heart conversations that aim to challenge and empower one another. I'm Jenny. No more waiting. SheePack Unleashed begins now. On this episode, balancing values and education, navigating the decision of schools. I feel like Jenny is our expert school person. I definitely don't think I'm an expert. Well, let's hear your your uh, I was credentials. T- I was. Yeah, give us I have background. an education major. I did my student teaching in Pennsylvania, and then I was a middle school teacher at a public school in North Carolina. Then a literacy coach. Then a tech coach. Then I worked for a company that taught teachers how to use technology. Then I worked for another company that taught companies how to make better technology for teachers. And I did some boutique consulting work in the education space. You're but you're not our expert. Not our expert, but you're also an <laughs> education advocate consultant. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely feel very passionately about the importance of education and how impactful it is for kids, full stop. What I, is it that brought that passion about? Um, it's a good question. I, I love reading, actually. And the thing that I loved the most about teaching was the magic of reading and really figuring out how it was a science and being able to specifically know through a miscue analysis what is keeping this child from reading silently with comprehension and what to do about it. Where I felt like at that time in my career, especially at the middle school level, we had a lot of kids in sixth grade that really couldn't yet read to learn. And yet secondary teachers weren't equipped to do anything about it. And there was a lot of frustration there. So it was a really, I miss it. Like one day, I think I will go back to the class because I just love it. That's awesome. Yeah. But I think where it gets to is, you know, it's happening all over the world, all over our country, but especially where we live in North Carolina, we have a lot of options for schools, which is a blessing and a curse. And it can get really overwhelming really quickly. And so that's where I feel like I'm less of an expert because I feel like each school has something to provide for a certain child and each child is different. So I have my opinions based on my lived experience and it might be different than yours in this room or others who are listening. And so I just want to be, like, I want to acknowledge that, but I'm happy to share my thoughts. And if that's difficult for you, imagine what it's like for other parents too. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say when my first kid was looking at going into public school or school after daycare, I apply to private school, public school, charter mm-hmm. schools, magnet schools, because there was just so many choices yeah. that I wasn't sure which one would be a fit. And I didn't want to miss the opportunity to get into any of them. And then yeah. I could make the decision after like I figured out more about them. But yeah. it was super overwhelming to think about how many different mm-hmm. choices there were. That's a lot to navigate. I think I took the alternate approach because it was so overwhelming and so many options. I just went with the most obvious option for us because we were literally half a mile door to door from our front door to our son's school. And and I never applied to another option. I never investigated it. Like that's just what we did. Yeah. So let's take a minute and talk about the different types of schools. So we're not talking about preschools or daycares right now, though that is an intense conversation in itself, or colleges. We're talking about your traditional K-12. So you have what we would call a traditional public school. That is, the f- and a lot has to do with where the money comes from. So your traditional public schools are funded by your property taxes. 
and they're normally related to where you live. And by your county, not necessarily where you live in your like neighborhood. So if your county mm-hmm. is Correct. huge, you so could be going to a different school across the county. Well, that's not true everywhere. That's true here where Wake County has a lot of uh, demand Same on their schools. Same with County too. It's yeah. not true everywhere. There are yeah. definitely places in the United States where you live in an address and this is your neighborhood school that is paid for through your taxes, the end. And they don't have calendar options, magnet yep. options, that's how private I options. And in that, I think it's important to know that there are some places where that is still true and that is it. Yeah, we only had one school growing up. Yeah. Just one choice. The really, like the bottom line is one, some folks felt like these schools aren't giving my kids what they need for specific reasons. And I'll come back to that. Or two, I think is what's happened here is just so many people moved here so quickly. The schools didn't have the capacity to teach that many kids in a certain amount of time. We just had so much new construction, so many new families so quickly. So one of the first ways that they tried to solve that was they became, they offered a calendar option. So here where we live, we have some schools that are traditional. You you start in August or September, you end in May or June. And then we also have our year-round options where you can have four tracks, meaning three tracks can be going at a time, but you're serving more kids in that same building without getting more resources of money. So we have, even in the traditional public school bucket, where it's funded by your real estate taxes, where we live, we often have a traditional option, meaning the calendar year and a year-round option. And by where we live, she means we are located in North Carolina in the Triangle area, which is like Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill area, which is what they call the Triangle. Yes. And then up until about 2011 in North Carolina, you were only allowed to have one charter school per county. They had put a cap on it, and there's some real reasons why. Charter schools, as a parent, you'll perceive them to be a public school because you don't pay money for your kid to go there. However, the money comes from the same taxes. So if you enroll your kid, James, this is not a real kid, I'm making it up, into a charter school, you are then telling your public school, I want the X amount of dollars that were attached to my student to take away from that neighborhood school to bring with him to the charter school. So it funds your student that way. However, if your student decides, "Mm, this is not good for me, I'm going to go back to my school, his funds still stay at the charter school. For that year. For that year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is why they say the first like 10 days of attendance. So important because that's where they get funding. Yep. Yeah. Charter schools you have to apply for as well. Is that true or? It depends. It depends on the demand that they have. A charter school receives public funding, but they are exempt from most of the public policies. So how they admit students and what services they provide are really up to the charter, literally the document, the charter of the school. A lot of them here have become incredibly popular. Post-2011, when they lifted that ban, charter schools just boomed everywhere. And parents were like, let's start a charter. And sometimes it's like, you know, we want a charter because being outdoors is really important to us. And we think this approach is really important. And that is the foundation of the charter. Some are not that way. But I think it's important to know that the funding is pulling from our traditional public schools. And then we have magnet schools. So again, that's traditional public funding based on your real estate taxes. Magnet schools are focused on a specific thing, like say the arts or the sciences or language learning, like a Spanish immersion. And so there's something really important or topical that those kids are getting at a magnet school. That that's the draw. That's different than like a a charter that is specific, like a STEM charter school. So it has again, it's more to do with how the money is flowing and who's in charge and makes decisions and how kids get to go there. So your traditional 
public school, the traditional county school, also manages your public magnet schools. Um, So for example, there's one in Raleigh that's a Spanish immersion. It's an incredible school. The reason they, in where we live, the reason they put magnet schools in Raleigh is because of desegregation. And so there was this move towards segregating school or desegregating schools, excuse me. It was incredibly important. And unfortunately, where we live based on real estate, it wasn't naturally happening by your neighborhood borders. Schools were still becoming incredibly segregated, even though they were supposed to be desegregated. And it was a problem. And so for a while, Wake County was busing kids from the city to schools more in the suburbs to address that problem. And there are pros and cons of that approach, but a big con were these poor children were on buses for an incredibly long Mm -hmm. time. And then suburban families were getting mad about the kids getting bused in from the city. So what they actually did was they put a lot of funds, extra money into some of these downtown city schools. Hey, you're going to be this wonderful Spanish immersion program. They get more funding for teachers. They get more funding for Spanish. They get more funding for training. All of a sudden, they're winning awards. And what happened is all of a sudden now these department parents who share that value want their kids to go to that magnet school. Even because though it's viewed as a premium. it's viewed as a premium and they do have more resources. Mm-hmm. And so they then bus or drive their kids or apply to that magnet school. But it's, it's getting at that same end. It's really about desegregating our schools. There's also a lot of magnet schools in Durham. Mm-hmm. There are wild magnet schools everywhere. Yeah. But that's how it functions mostly here in, in Wake County. So, and then of course you have private schools, meaning you are paying someone to teach your child and it could be parochial, per, I didn't say that right, religious related, not necessarily Christian, but it could be based on a religion or it could be based on something else. And then homeschool is obviously an option. You might hear some people call that unschooling, but basically you're doing it yourself. There are now in the most decade or especially post-COVID have boomed kind of these online schools that you see, especially in the high schools. Durham has a public online school too. Mm-hmm. Wake does mm. too. And then micro schools are, I don't think it's worth for this conversation, but it's similar, right? It's like, hey, why don't we start like a small school for our kids? Yeah. Because we know it's important. I saw a lot of that pop up at COVID time. Yes. Yeah, a lot like of the micro schools. Kind of. yeah. yeah. But I think... For me personally, and I'll stop talking in a minute, was when I was looking for my child, we think about what's important for our family, what we value. We really value multiculturalism. We really value language. And so we actually were specifically looking for like a Spanish immersion. That's where my kids had gone to preschool. And I specifically put personally put a hard no on charter schools because I am uncomfortable with taking money from the public schools that are already really having a hard time. They're being currently set up to fail. In my opinion, the teachers and the administrators are working so hard and every year they get less resources and, and more demand. So I was personally uncomfortable with that. So limited ourselves to a public school or magnet and then found a Spanish immersion magnet, loved it, and then COVID hit. So I'll pause there. I'll tell mm-hmm. more later, but um, yeah. I think it's interesting. Your school, I think it, all of us are going to find the same thing is that like our school choices for our kids were derived a lot by our experiences mm-hmm. in school ourselves. So my kids go to a charter school. Mm-hmm. They go to a Montessori style charter school. And I had a hard stop on traditional public school for my kids because I struggled so much personally in traditional public school. I am dyslexic, dysgraphic, and ADHD and had a ton and ton of struggles. Like, I was never a good student. I got in trouble a lot. 
it didn't work for me. It wasn't, I was not in the box that could fit learning and it really stagnated a lot of the things I could have done or learned. And I really, really struggled moving from traditional public school to college also Mm -hmm. because of those struggles and didn't get those diagnoses until I was in college. Mm -hmm. And my children are a lot like me and did not want them to go through that style of schooling because it just didn't work for me and then I also was on the PTA of a public school before my kids were even in school in our neighborhood school as a volunteer opportunity to get to know those schools before I made those decisions and I did not like what I saw Mm -hmm. I really did not like what I saw in our public school on the PTA so I I was a hard no on that one it was always so interesting to me too that like you didn't even have a kid at that school yet. Right. And, and you were allowed to be in the PTA to have a voice, you know, and help guide and steer how that goes, right? I m- imagine that happens all over the place. I, I just didn't realize that that was an option. I always assumed it was parents of active students at a school. Yeah. The year before my kids were going to school, I started volunteering. Bless you. Bless you. I started volunteering at the schools around my area, the charter mm-hmm. school, the public school. I did some things like visited the the private schools so I could see what they look like from an outside perspective mm-hmm. before my kids went there. Because once they're in there, it's harder to like rearrange the school situation. But if there's a lot of things going on in the school, there's no better way to find it out than being on the PTA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so true. Like you're going to know. Or volunteering or, or subbing, volunteering. being yeah. there is impactful, yeah. And seeing how the administration interacts with teachers, how teachers interact with parents, how kids who are not in your traditional, like, easy-to-go-to-school things are handled, right? And that that was important for me to know before I made a decision. And then, of course, when we were deciding all this, it all blew up because my son was going to, co- was going to kindergarten during COVID. Yep. So, like, we started all over again. <laughs> yeah. Ashley, how about your school choice? So, we decided to move out of Wake County into Durham County specifically for the schools. And uh, that was a, um, how do I put it nicely? The, the Facebook groups did not speak highly of Durham Public Schools. So, if you didn't do your own kind of yep. investigating and visiting the schools, you might think that they're not great. Yep. But they're actually fantastic schools and the the not even data, but the the reasons why people were, you know, talking shit about Durham schools was because of funding things, socioeconomic things. It, it was never truly a reflection on the teachers or the administrators. I've had nothing but positive experiences yep. with the teachers and administrators. They've been amazing. So I've got one in public school currently. And he started kindergarten virtually with the public school, too, during COVID. And I am thrilled for the little one to go there next year. And it's our neighborhood school. We did investigate a magnet, a public magnet as well, because it was Montessori-ish, STEM-ish, that kind of stuff, which at the time we recognized our oldest was like naturally into. So we wanted to kind of feel that out. Then we applied. We didn't get a seat. And it was okay. Like It wasn't the end of the world for us. We were very happy with our our neighborhood school. We like being like part of the immediate community too. So it's it's fun at carpool. There's one neighbor that I'm always either behind or in front of in carpool, and we're mm-hmm. kind of like caravanning together from the neighborhood. We probably should uh like consolidate cars or something at some point, but 
it's nice to have the familiar faces around and then have those same faces around the neighborhood too. I think it's important also to know that your husband was a public school teacher. Oh yeah, that's probably good context. So yeah, Yeah. my (laughs) husband was a public school teacher about eight years in Wake County with elementary school. So we got to see the inside of it a little bit differently too. And it's really, it comes down to the teachers and the administrators more than anything else. Yep. I really appreciate, Ashley, how you mentioned like the word on the street or how people were talking about a certain school system in a social media group and how that's different from your lived experience. I think that's incredibly valid. And at the bottom, like the bottom line is parents want to do what's best for their kids. And so if you don't know better, you don't have access to information or experiences, it's easy to just like take that as truth and run with it. Well, and those things are being said, I saw as good things. Yes. And, and, you know, there are some sites out there that started with the best of intentions, like great schools where you can go and see a rating of your school and they've done much better now. But when they first came out, it was essentially standardized test scores. And really all that tells you is how well off the family is and how educated the parents are. And there's lots to go into of why that is. But if you're just looking at a measurement of test scores, tells you how white the school is and how yes. much money they have and That's if you get that kids really that important are to us. yeah like i grew up like you're saying nicole like our our own experience colors this a lot i grew up in like a 90 percent plus white area and i'm not i don't identify as white yeah so it was it was hard for me and i wanted my kids to have a different experience yeah and so if you look at like oh this school they 99 you know of kids passed a but they might have gone into that school already knowing that from incredible experiences and prior knowledge from a wonderful family. And then other people are saying like, oh, this is a good school because they all do well in their tests. No. What you really want to look at is growth. You know, where did they start and where did they get to? You want to look at teacher retention. You want to look at things like equity. So there's, it's just a more nuanced picture. And so I think you have to be really careful when you are listening to comments or looking on ratings to understand what you're looking at and and what it really tells you. Teacher retention is a really big deal. I've I've learned this. And my my son likes seeing his previous teachers still at the same school. Well, that was one of the main reasons we chose this charter school is because it's Montessori style. And my son will have the same teacher For three years in a row. Yeah, you can really build a strong relationship that way. Right. And so for us, he is not good with transitions and changes and having to change teachers and learn about him and his needs because he does have specific needs in education. Having to learn those year over year again with a new teacher is also draining for me as a parent that I didn't want to like have to like fight for him every single year Mm -hmm. over and over and over again with somebody new. Yeah. And I think you've been really lucky in the charter school that you found because charter schools and private schools don't have to provide accommodations or services in the way that your traditional public schools or public magnet schools would legally have to. So I'm glad that they do. Yeah, you say that. But I do know that like we could request county services because it was one of the things we looked at is we looked at a private school And one of our big conversations about the private school was that if we go private, they do not offer like speech therapy at the private school. But because I pay county taxes, I could then go to the county 
and request them to send somebody from the county to that private school yes. to mm-hmm. give speech therapy at school. So there are options to get those services into s- different school choices if they don't provide them in that school. Right. But it definitely taxes the public school system. Like it's an incredible strain on the system. And it's important to mention, like some charters and private schools do that. There are some amazing charter schools locally that are specific to kids with ADHD and have amazing services in, in private schools. So not all, but I'm just saying they don't legally have to. Yeah, I just think it's an interesting conversation because you're saying it's taxing the schools. And I know this is a really strong opinion you have on like taking the resources from the public schools. Yep. But as a parent who would pay for a private school, if I paid for private school and then also like I didn't, I'm not paying less in taxes. I'm still paying my taxes to those public schools. I still should, in my opinion get the same resources I would whether my kid went to public or private. So if you went to a private school, which we haven't talked about, but my kids ironically do now, (laughs) which I have feelings about, but I pay, well, we pay private school tuition and our real estate taxes go to our local public schools. Yeah. As a charter school parent, you pay real estate taxes. They originally go to your neighborhood school and your charter school pulls from them. The, the, the money for my kid follows that kid to the school he's going to. So like, in my opinion, he should get the money to the school he's going to right? Mm-hmm. for that reason, mm-hmm. right? So and there's some people that really believe that. And there's this whole like voucher system that folks are pushing. And I can see why it sounds good on paper. So I mean, I'm sure there's some like political corruption happening, Big time. which is the problem here. But as a parent, right, my kid doesn't fit in the traditional public school method. And I feel like my taxes money should follow him Mm -hmm. to the school choice that does fit him. Because my biggest problem with the public school is they have to teach with your public school with my well, I mean, in general public schools, Mm -hmm. this is my biggest problem with general public schools is that you have to teach to the lowest level and or the, the biggest issue in a classroom. I disagree as a former public school teacher, but I can see why you might think that. Yeah. As a parent, that has been my lived experience. Mm -hmm. As a student, that was my lived experience Mm -hmm. is that there was if there was an issue in the classroom or there was somebody who was behind, they got most of the attention and resources. Then maybe the kid who was further ahead. Mm -hmm. That's fair because my kids on the other side of that spectrum in AIG and he is often finishing work early and doing really well. So he's doing other classroom activities like um, maybe working with students who are a little bit behind and being like a peer coach for them mm-hmm. doing that kind of stuff, classroom leadership. Um, or he's being given AIG services basically that are going to enrich him in other ways too. Mm-hmm. So the services, I guess, for him go the other way where it's, mm-hmm. it's adding more stuff for him too. Yeah. And there are definitely folks that I know who have moved specifically to Chapel Hill for Chapel Hill, Carbo City Public Schools. Orange County Schools. Those are different. Okay. So Orange County is one of the few in North Carolina that are actually two separate school systems. So there's Orange County, which is like Orange County Rural. So Hillsborough, Eflin, like that part, that's where I taught. Mm-hmm. And then Chapel Hill, Carbo City Schools are actually separate. Yeah, This is a conversation for another day, but they have an incredible reputation and resources specifically with literacy and disability studies. So a lot of folks with l- learners who are nonverbal or may be diagnosed with autism end up coming here specifically for that in this in this area. And those so are good paid schools though, right? No, these are our public, public schools. schools. Well, when you're talking about the like the disability school, isn't that a paid one? No. I mean, there are, but what okay. I'm talking about right now is Chapel Hill Carbo City Schools is well-funded through high real estate taxes and it has become a place, a mecca, where people choose to go 
for a public school that has amazing resources for kids with disabilities. It's interesting because we we lived to we moved to Chapel Hill, and when we looked at moving into Chapel Hill, we specifically did not want to be in the Chapel Hill school system because they have the highest suicide rate. Mm -hmm. Wow, is a lot of pressure in the country. Mm -hmm. A lot of I don't know if that's still true, but I know East and Chapel Hill High is a lot of pressure. Highest suicide Mm -hmm. rate. In the high school systems in that area, and I was oh, I, I see that now that I'm do not about it. particularly yep. want to put that sort of pressure or have put my kids in that kind of pressure cooker. So when we were looking, it was for the exact re- opposite reason. It was like we didn't want our kids to go into that area. Well, and I think that's what it all comes back to is like it's where I sit is like I have one view as a former educator and someone who really believes in the public schools, and I feel like I'm watching them be set up to fail and and dismantled is incredibly sad and want to do something better for that system and support it. And yet, as a parent, my kids ended up in a private school. I did not want them to go to a private school. I never thought they would go to a private school. But the Cliff Notes version is my son was starting kindergarten during COVID. He had this amazing magnet school set up. My husband and I are both former educators, turned our dining room into a classroom, all on board, you name it. We bought it. We set it up. And it was an absolute disaster in terms of his mental health. And I'll never forget taking him to the pediatrician and her looking me dead in the eye and said, you need to get this child out of the house. It is not safe for him, for his anxiety. He was skin picking. He was having just a really hard time. And the only school that was open at that time was a religious private school in our neighborhood. And so he started there. I had zero intention of him staying but he's made friends and he's doing well. And my husband started subbing there and I can't complain. I will say I was looking. I was looking for things to say, mm, this is not good or this is, I'm not okay with that. I was looking, especially that first year. And I was wrong and it's a, a very good fit for him and I don't want to mess with a good thing. And so he's in third grade now and he's still there. So I feel like I, I feel cheating, guilty. cheating on the public school I system. do. <laughs> I feel guilty. And yet, don't we all do what we think is best for our kids? Always. Regardless yeah. of the impact on the system. Well, and uh, Tanya, you have a neighborhood school actually where your kid does go to a traditional neighborhood school in Wake County, which is not super common anymore. And he does the year round. Yeah. So he's now fourth grader in a year round school. We bought our house specifically for our school district. Wow. That was ballsy. Because how much it changed. It was back then. It didn't change that much. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't as dynamic, at least when we bought. I mean, of course, it was more dynamic then than it was 15 or 20 years ago, too, right? Like, we we are in that area of the triangle where it was just constantly, you know, expanding out and out and out, the growth that we are seeing in the triangle area. It used to be a lot of horse farms and pastures and all the things when we bought in Apex. And, you know, now it's storage facilities and office complexes and those kind of things. But that school in particular had a fantastic reputation in terms of the qualities that I I felt were important. It has, you know, overall fairly good diversity at that school. The leadership was, you know, awarded, lauded leadership in the state and, you know, teacher retention seemed to be pretty good. I will say I didn't do a deep dive into the research too much beyond that, right? I very much got overwhelmed with the other options, the other alternatives. And we found a house that we loved and it was a half mile away from the school that appeared to be 
a great school, we would be lucky to get in there. So that's what we did. And thankfully, right, we we never got rezoned. You know, I mean, the apex area keeps getting, you know, rezoned and broken up in different things. And new schools are having to be built to accommodate the demand that is being put on the system there. But our our school in particular, they had a cap on it. They didn't totally overcrowd the, the classrooms. Obviously, I wish that there could be a few, you know, a few smaller classroom count in there. But on the whole, it's it's been a good fit. But again, I am not the most involved when it comes to the schooling. I am not on the PTA. I felt like it was just an extension of high school drama that I did not want to be a part of. And I volunteer in my son's classroom and I will get involved with the teacher directly. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I mean, we kind of stay in our lane. And very thankfully, you know, he seems to be doing well. You know, last year he started, when he started school, he started the first half of kindergarten and then COVID hit. The world shut down. He did the second half of kindergarten from home. And then he did all of first grade from home virtually. We chose to do that. We could have sent him back in for first grade. And he had seemed to hit a stride. By the end of that first half kindergarten, we had a setup that worked. And so we kept him home for the first year for for first grade. And then he went back in second grade and and has been doing great. And I love the fact that he has, you know, there's only two classrooms, two teachers per track. So he's on like track three, right? And so we have two teachers each year. So his friends are either with him or they're in one other classroom. And then they'll see each other on the playground, you know, and he's got this cohort of kids now that he's been going to school with for five years at this point. And so we've we've been very fortunate, I feel like. Well, and you have an interesting perspective because you actually grew up in mm-hmm. this area. So like you experienced these school systems yourself as a child. I did. Yeah. I, so I grew up in the Raleigh area and I went to school mostly in Wake Forest, actually, when it was like Wake Forest, Rollsville, which was considered a bit more of a remote kind of country school at that point. It is now the area has boomed. Yeah. And it's a very affluent area now. It was not exactly that when when I went. All things considered, you know, it's it you know, they were fully funded. I I never felt like I was at a disadvantage by being at any of the schools that I was at certainly. But I will say, I mean, I feel like the the systems have changed so much, you know, over 30 years. Yeah. that it's hard to compare what Ryan is experiencing now versus what I experienced there. I'm curious about the year-round aspect. Like, did you have an opinion about that when he started? How do you feel about the track schedule now? Because he's on nine weeks and off a few, but it's... Yeah, so so, yeah, that's a good point. I went to traditional. When I was in school, I was on a traditional calendar. So we were in for, you know, nine months or so. We were out for three roughly, you know, in the dead of summer, which dead of summer in North Carolina is miserable. So hot. And and so I had that traditional sort of experience. I really struggled having those long summers off. I remember my mom would get these workbooks for us and we would have to do like a certain amount of 30 minutes or an hour of worksheets at home every day during the summer for us to try and keep our skills fresh. And I really struggled whenever a new school year would start up to like get my brain back into it, right? And I was a really good student. That was like my niche in our family growing up, I really excelled and I leaned into that. And so I was always trying to to overachieve, right? And and I still found it struggle a, a challenge. So, you know, much less if if school were just not my thing. If I hated school, I'd be like, 
cool. Three months off, great. And then come back in and it would have been even harder. Now for Ryan, we do year round. And I don't know that that was like a huge deciding factor when we bought the house where we did, but I was open to the idea because I know I didn't love having those whole solid three months off. And both of us were working at that time, right? And the thought of trying to wrap my brain around, what do you do with your kid for three solid months, right? Versus the year round where they're in for roughly nine weeks, they're out for one or two or three weeks at the most, usually are longer breaks. And then they go back in and then they come out for a little bit and then they go back in. And it worked well because, you know, we would take one week off, he would be at home and we would take a little time off of work and tag team when he was really young, you know, and then he would have one week of camp, you know, and go to camp and get to do some different things. But then he was out of school for shorter periods of time, which for my kiddo, I think works really well. Mm -hmm. I think it helps him kind of keep his head in the game. He gets a little bit of a reset to relax and decompress, and then he's back in before he has a chance to lose all the skills that he's been building throughout the year. The only hard thing is there's literally like not even a week off between his years. Yeah. It's like, welcome to the next grade. It's crazy, (laughs) right? And so then they're only in for like two or three weeks. We're on a less traditional track even Uh of of the year round. Like ours is probably the farthest away from a traditional school track. Is that because of how holidays squeeze in around there? Kind of. So the way that they figured out the year round schedule, and Jenny, you may be able to speak to this even better than I can, certainly, but there's like one or two tracks that more closely echo a traditional calendar. And so a lot of times, families with kids with, with families with multiple kiddos where there's an older one who is now approaching or in high school, they, the families will try to get into one and four so that their kids have closer synchronicity between the times off. Some of their breaks are in the summer, basically, on one and four. But you don't actually get the final decision. No, you do not. You can request tracks. And they, they, from what I can tell, make a lot of effort to try and align that and to try to honor those requests where they can. But there are families that ultimately probably do get denied. But for us, like we get to travel on off-peak times We are not traveling during the traditional spring break. Like we went to Disney at the end of October, November, and it was gorgeous. And like the crowds were low and like it was, it's been really nice, but we have one kid. We don't have to think about the ripple effect of when one moves into high school, which all of the high schools in our area or maybe North Carolina go to a traditional schedule. And then the elementary and middle stay on that year round that can wreak havoc on a family schedule. So we don't have that constraint. Well, it's interesting you say that because that was one of the reasons we moved out of Wake County ourselves is because we were charted to go to a year-round school that was going to be like bused, Mm -hmm. like far. So my kid would have to take a far bus and then it would be year-round. And the idea that I did not get a final decision on the track Mm -hmm. was like a hard no for me. (laughs) I was like, absolutely not. Like I will not be defined on for the next like five years what the schedule looks like because as a two working parent family for me, I found it harder to figure out how to supplement those weeks than if it's in the summer and there's a lot more options of like Mm -hmm. full camps or things they could go to that I just could not wrap my head Mm -hmm. around. I don't know. I think think it's it is very much a 
characteristic of where we live. We live in a more affluent area, right? Like, I mean, we're not in a million dollar home community, but there are so many options for track out camps, Mm -hmm. probably more so than when you were looking at schools even, right? Like it has boomed in terms of the opportunities that are available. There are some that are definitely very expensive there. We've found a couple that are more affordable, but that's kind of why we do a piecemeal approach, right? Ryan will get one week at home to just relax and decompress and you know we'll do we'll arrange more playdates with friends who are on the same track so that the kids can get some social time some time away from the screens and then we'll do one week of camp but we don't do camps every single week that he's tracked out it it is not affordable that's for sure not getting a say in the track was an issue for bob when he was teaching too yeah so we had to like live our life around the track that he was teaching on do they change it often? I thought once you were on a track, you were pretty much set. But maybe as a teacher, that's different. When he changed schools, uh, yeah. that's when it was up for debate. Otherwise, yes, he pretty much stayed on the same track. I don't recall him changing within one school. But it became a question of, okay, well, when, when Calvin starts, like, what if he's on a different track? And sure, they try to line it up. Mm-hmm. And I, I know they want to. But what if they can't, you know? And I'm not going to, you know cry special snowflake and my kid needs an exception like i, I imagine that's that. even harder with a parent in the school uh-huh. system and a child in the school system uh-huh. like i can't even imagine the pressures around that yeah it was it was a little concerning as he started getting getting older i mean bob ultimately left the classroom and he's doing other ed tech things now but but yeah that was something we had to work with it was great like you were saying tanya because we could travel at off peak times mm-hmm. it was attractive then and We had kids, you know, daycare age, so it wasn't a big deal to miss a week of daycare. So that's an interesting point I want to put out there is that I probably am least traditional in this manner is that I don't necessarily worry about scheduling vacations when the kids have breaks. I schedule them when they work for my or my husband, nice corporate calendars. Yes, Uh, me too. Right. So I will pull my kid. Yes. Out of school for the family vacation on an off week. Yep. I yearly get a truancy letter. Wow. (laughs) I didn't know that. I've already gotten mine for this year. They haven't taken you to court yet. Not yet, but they love to send me truancy letters. Yeah, Yeah, they're just trying to be scary. It's not Uh, like your kids are suffering or struggling. Like they're doing fine. Please tell me that they didn't go to (laughs) Disney for the week and it was awful. You know, like what my point is that like I don't necessarily follow the fact that I know a lot of people schedule school based off uh, vacations based on school because they do not want to miss their kids school where I my value and my husband's value isn't on them missing the day of school it's about missing family experiences mm-hmm. or life experiences mm-hmm. which is also one of the reasons we're not planning on sending our kids to traditional high school we're going to homeschool when they hit high school age which I- is super privileged because it's gonna not every family can do that mm-hmm. I do wish there was more wiggle room for like i know you can request an exception you know it's an educational experience when you're taking them out but i wish there was more wiggle room with that because there really is if you're intentional about it i mean yeah i know not all kids are privileged to you know do that kind of stuff but if you're traveling and going somewhere different that is such a life experience i mean even something as simple to simple to an adult like navigating an airport like that's a life skill that like our kids are very very privileged to learn and get to practice. Well, it's one of the top reasons I'm not sending them to traditional high schools. I feel like they don't learn enough life skills right. in a traditional high school setting that unless something drastically changes in the school system between now and then, for me personally, I'd rather them do like online school where I can control 
what they're learning and they can control what they're learning and have more say in the things they learn mm-hmm. about instead of like what's prescribed what's prescribed yeah. like and yeah. not all of it is correct <laughs> in the public school now once they get past the basic like literacy stuff and they can read to learn like you were saying earlier jenny and they can do math to get through life from there it's really in my opinion more about their interests what they want to do and where they excel and yeah. you were giving me faces jenny so i know you have some <laughs> questions some like hard i mean i don't think we'll ever agree on this And that's okay. However, on the travel piece, I was the same way. I definitely value travel and was taking my child out of school to do trips. And in third grade, he asked me to stop, that it was too stressful for him. And he didn't like missing school. Because he has to make up that work. Because he has to make up some of the work. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and I I think the biggest lesson I've learned as a parent of a now nine-year-old is I had this vision of what I thought our school would be and I was going to be the public school or maybe a immersion magnet and I was going to be very involved in the PTA and I had really strong opinions. And then what my kids needed was different or changed. And so I think you're a long way away from high school and I hope it works out, but I won't be surprised if, if, if one of them needs something different. And I know that you as a parent and all of us and any parent will pivot and do what's right for your kiddo regardless of the system or the exact kind of school. And so I'm so grateful that where we live, we have that, those options. So many options. Yeah. So what options did you guys look at when you were looking for your kids' schools? What kind of schools do your kids go to? We'd love to hear more about like what you guys think about schools because every area is going to be different and what schools work in your area and what schools haven't worked in your area. And that wraps up this week's episode of ShePack Unleashed. We hope you enjoyed hearing all about our school experiences with our kids and personally. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and so you can never miss out on a future episode. And if you want to stay connected and share your thoughts on this episode or any other, you can follow us on social media at SheePack Unleashed. Thank you for being a part of our pack. This is Ashley, Jenny, Nicole, and Tanya signing off. Stay wild and fierce.